Well, good morning, Calvary Chapel, Richmond. Good morning to all of you online. Thanks for joining us. I like to refer to myself as the break glass in case of emergency teacher. So, we are here. We're going to do this. All right. So, uh, as uh, Russ announced, Pastor Tim is still away for a much needed and required time of rest. Um, so, continue to keep him and his family in prayer and that they would return um, rested and ready to serve. And uh, I, have a, uh, I have a fish story for you, which is funny because some of you like fish. I can't stand it. But every, every good thing starts with a fish story, right? So uh, if you were here last week, Pastor Mark from C.C. Fredericksburg uh, actually taught on serving, and he had a, uh, an example from the book of Jonah. So I saw this. I was like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. So there was a diver off the coast of Massachusetts that got swallowed by a whale in June. So I don't know if he was running from the Lord, but it still happens. So be careful. The Bible said it was a big fish. You know, little kid books say it's a whale. Job called it a leviathan, so I think it was a little bigger than a, a whale. But in this case, this, this guy got swallowed by a whale, man. That's awesome. So that's my fish story. And let's stop and pray. That's how that works. Father, we come before you and are thankful for, bri- for bringing us here and drawing us out. And uh, Father, all of us have come here with, with weights and burdens and chains and just big boulders on our shoulder. And we, we want those removed. Father, we want to hear from you and, and hear from your word. And we desire for your Holy Spirit to be poured out here this morning. Father, I pray for a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit. Lord, let these words be yours. Remove me. Let it be more of you. And Father, I pray that um, you would still our hearts and calm our minds. And may you be honored and glorified in all that we do this morning. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, I love it when we get... A time to worship, and, and you know, I didn't even share with uh, my brother Tuan what what my teaching was on uh, or what I was referencing. But the worship this morning was so on point because before I even get to my teaching, I just want to read one simple verse because that's going to prepare our hearts for what comes for the rest of the teaching, right? So um, the verse is simple, and we've heard it probably a thousand times. Uh, unfortunately, we hear it and, and we quickly forget about it. It's John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And we hear that and we read it and we forget the depth that comes with that verse. The depth of the fact that there was a penalty of death that we couldn't pay, right? We couldn't do anything on our own. So Jesus offered himself up on the cross and paid with his life a debt we could never pay. But because of that, we have a relationship and now we are not destined for eternity in darkness. We are washed. We are a brand new creation. Scripture says your sins are cast as far as from the east as from the west. And God says he will remember them no more. The more you look at that verse and you start to let it sink in, the more you realize, oh my gosh, I can't understand the weight and the depth of this scripture. Um, It's something that, honestly, I should do every morning. But I don't, I'll be honest. 
But I want that to be the first thing we read this morning before we get into what the, the teaching is because it's going to posture our heart, right? Because we have been bought and redeemed by so great a price, it is, it, 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 it's good to give back to the Lord, right? Um, so, a funny story, not a fish story this time. Uh, well, it's kind of funny because funny stories don't start funny. Funny stories start not very good. They're always funny, like after the fact, when you're looking back, they're like, oh yeah, that was a good time. No, that really wasn't a good time. So this funny story starts last Sunday. Uh, so I had been preparing for today's message uh, for weeks, you know, because messages are things you have to pray over and pour what, over what the Lord wants you to have in them. And I was finished about wrapping it up. And, uh, you know, we knew Pastor Mark from Calvary Chapel Fredericksburg was going to come teach. And we had tried to get in communication with him and figure out, hey, you know, we want to prepare on Facebook, you know, what you're going to be teaching about. But we, we, we didn't know. And so I get in, awesome message by Pastor Mark. And I sit down to hear the word from Pastor Mark. And I, I realize he taught the exact same message <laughs> I had prepared for weeks. And I was like... All the way down to the example of Jonah. And so half of me is sitting there going, this is a great message. The other half is like, oh my gosh. I teach next Sunday. What am I going to do? So, uh, so now it's funny. Um, it wasn't funny Sunday. My, my family can attest I got home and I was like, you, you guys go to the pool. I got I, I to gotta seek the Lord. So I went through the Lord. Praise the Lord when you pray and you ask what he wants you to do and you have an open heart, he will tell you. And that's what I did. And that's what he gave me for today. So it dovetails perfectly, but it's not the same message that Pastor Mark gave. Because Pastor Mark last Sunday talked about how right it is to serve the Lord and our calling to serve the Lord. And it's, a, it's right, and there's a reward in doing so, if you guys remember. Sometimes I even forget what was taught last Sunday, but there you go. But today is how do we know what to do? It is right, but how do we know what to do? We need to make sure that we are seeing and hearing correctly. So today's message is really called The Lord's Calling. And it's different for everybody, right? So we're going to kind of go through these two points. And uh, it's going to be an adventure. Could be uh, eight minutes, could be 40. I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> so this first section is called Seeing Correctly. And the first thing I want to go through is Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And it is. Based on John 3.16 and the depth of that verse and what it means, it is our reasonable service to serve Jesus. And I love quoting solid believers before me um, because they have such a wealth of knowledge, but also you can blame them. <laughs> Charles Spurgeon said, you cannot have Christ if you will not serve him. If you take Christ, you must take him of all his characters, not only his friend, but also his master. And if you are to become his disciple, you must also become his servant. See, this is a relationship that you can't take apart. Right? So, a good analogy that I use with uh, 830 service is, uh, I, I like crayons and big pictures, so I'm a vi very visual guy. I, I grew up playing with, with uh, Play-Doh. I mean, everyone, I don't know about kids nowadays, but like, I love Play-Doh. I ate it, 
tasted salty. Probably explains a lot about why I'm the adult that I am right now. <laughs> However, that said, I loved like playing with the red and the orange and the yellows, and I would twist them together and make fire and explosions, and with my G.I. Joes, it was great. It was awesome. All the way up until the very end when you had three containers of red, yellow, and whatever other color I use, and now you can't tear them apart. They're this one big conglomeration of whatever color it is you created. Same as the relationship and the analogy with this, with Jesus as our master, we have to serve him. He's not just our friend. He's all of the above. So, with that said, to start, we're going to look at how, you know, we know we have a responsibility to serve, but the question becomes how. You know, all too often, People associate certain qualities with, you must have that to serve Jesus. You must be a great orator. Or, or, or you've got to be really eloquent in speech. And I'll be honest with you, like who I am right now is the same person like you're going to talk to out in the fellowship room or out in the parking lot. I'll say, what's up? I'll say, bro, and I'll say, legit. All from here, because that's what I say out there. I don't have a filter and I don't have a switch. Like, what you get up here is what I get out there. I'm not really great with words. So, like, you get the only words I have. However, those two things are, are, are what some people will put up as a, as a because I, I'm not like this, I, I can't serve Jesus. Some people will look at the worship team, and I love worship. It is a, a, a respite from the world. It is, it is a, a chance to, to worship God, uh, who deserves so much more, but I don't have any of these talents. And some people will be like, well, I don't have a great voice. I, I, I can't serve. I don't play an instrument. I can't serve uh, I don't have a house. Like I see people inviting people over. I can't invite people over. Therefore, I, I, I can't serve Jesus. And when you get to that type of a ledge, you get discouraged. And then some may even throw up their hands, shrug their shoulders, and be like, well, I, I, guess, I guess that's it. I, I guess I just won't serve Jesus. Well, Charles Spurgeon said, God has not one single servant for whom he has not appointed a service. And that is an absolutely true scriptural statement that we'll get to later on uh, in the message. John 15, 16, and don't, look, I'm going to, y'all, people have asked me, like, what book I'm going to be in. I'm going to be in this book, and I'm going to, like, jump around everywhere. So you can keep up if you, if you want to, but good luck. All right, John 15, 16 says, Jesus speaking, saying, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. We have a calling to bear fruit. And here's the thing, if we're honest with ourselves in our mind, we're like, you know what? I am like really awesome right here. I'm, I'm awesome in my own mind right here. But unfortunately, Jesus doesn't ask us where we think we're awesome. He doesn't ask us that question. Is it, isn't it better for us to, in serving Jesus, to ask him, ask the master where he wants us to serve and where he has carved out a place for us to serve. It's probably better to do that than telling him. I have told God a lot over the years and it never works out well because it's me and my flesh and I don't see the big picture. So in this section, we need to make sure we are looking through the, the right lens 
when we look at the subject of serving Jesus. John 12, 26, the first part of the verse says, If anyone serves me, let him follow me. So, he has asked us to do is follow him. So we need to do the first things first. Perhaps the Lord has asked you to do something small. And, and these are just hypotheticals. Maybe he's asked you to do something small. And what in your mind you would think is menial. Or you know, you know what? That's, that's going to be really small in somebody else's eyes. We have to come back to the point of whom are we serving? Are we serving ourselves for our glory or Jesus for his? So we have to get out of the mindset of the size of task and where the task is. And this is what Jesus prefers above all else, that his servants follow him. If we do that, we will serve him the way in which he wants us to serve him. You know, the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 45 is, is talking to Baruch. And in verse 5, he actually says, And do you seek great things for yourself? Do not seek them. Scripture is... is full of the advice of do not boast in yourselves and do not seek great things for yourself because that is an element of the flesh. We need to start with a humble heart of service for Jesus and not ourselves. And then we need to make sure we're looking through the right lens, through scripture for those acts of service. You know, I, I love the story of Elisha uh, and his servant in 2 Kings chapter 6. And I love it because Elisha has a servant that wakes up and, and he goes out in the morning and what he sees is a Syrian army surrounding Israel. Basically a, a Syrian army overpowering um, and, and just far more massive. So this is 2 Kings 6 and it's verses 15 and 17. It says, And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. Now, for us, horses and chariots, you're like, big deal. That was a big deal. If you had mounted cavalry, if you had mounted horse, like horses and chariots, you were almost always more likely to win against foot soldiers. So Elisha then says, And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. See, the servant was looking through human eyes. He was looking through his physical eyesight. And all he saw was an enemy that outnumbered them, was more dangerous, and he had no idea what was going to happen. What Elisha did was pray for him to have spiritual vision and see with a different set of eyes. Things for you to serve the Lord may be mounted up and it may appear physically like they're mounted up against you to serve. And whatever the Lord has called you to do, it may look bad. However, those are what you see with your physical eyes. You have to rely on what the Lord shows you, what his scripture tells you, and what his promises say. Not what you see with your own eyes. We have to understand that the Lord provides more than we see. 
And I say this because, it, here's an example. I love looking at the stars at night. Now, I'm not a stargazer. I, I'm not an emotional guy. And frankly, I, I look at the stars like, yay, they're up there. But <laughs> I like to see them on a clear night. I can appreciate it. I really can because it, it, it's a, the heavens arrayed is a beautiful sight. It really is. Um, but from where I live, you know, there's a lot of light that diffuses the stars, right? Whether it's uh, house lights, front porch lights, you know, uh, shopping mall, uh, parking lot lights. There's a ton of light produced. So the stars that you see, like if you Google starlights or whatever, even like up in the uh, very North Arctic Circle, you're like, wow, I do not see those stars where I'm living. Well, have you guys ever been somewhere that's country dark? And that's a technical term. Because people who have been there, they, that's a real term. If you don't know what that is, country dark is where you're somewhere where there's zero light. And we're talking, even if like the, the moon is not out and there's zero loom, there's no light whatsoever. And the stars are gorgeous. And you see, you can actually see all the constellations. And it's, it's beautiful. Why am I bringing this up? Because the stars never changed. You changed. You changed how you were looking at the stars. You changed from where you were looking at the stars. Those stars didn't change. When Jesus calls us to serve him, that doesn't change. If you have a problem seeing where he's taking you, change how you're viewing. And I'm saying this to myself too, right? I'm preaching to the choir because I've had to do this a lot of times in my life. We have to be cognizant of the, how we're viewing and the lens we're viewing through. Speaking of a uh, country dark, like anytime I teach, and, and the teens can, you know, they'll, they'll tell you all day long. I have a lot of car references because I'm a huge car nut. And I have a lot of army references because I was army. I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. So I, so I have them today. Lucky you. So speaking of country dark, here's the deal. In the army... We owned the night. That was a saying, and it's true. And the reason, because we use NVGs, night vision goggles. That's, a pano, that's pano vision right there. The newest evolution just about of night vision goggles. It gives you a complete left-to-right view, like you are looking at night with your eyes, and everything's illuminated. So either NVGs or MI Bradley, white-hot, black-hot, thermals. You could see things, and it was awesome. I have a story about a target and a moose. I can tell you after the service. Um, but <laughs> as a soldier, they didn't rely upon their physical eyes. They used something to help them see what's actually out there. Without that, you can't move forward. You dare not move forward, especially in training camps like out in NTC in California, where there's wadis. If you go into an armored vehicle, you will break your neck. Here's the thing. We have the same thing in our Christian walk. Because sometimes in our Christian walk... We don't move forward at all because we can't see forward. We don't move forward or even take a step forward because we can't see the next few steps and we don't trust our eyes and we shouldn't. We have to pray like Elisha did and ask for spiritual vision to see what only God can show us. We have to walk out in faith and trust the promises and scriptures of God. We have an entire book of promises of God showing what he can do, what he will do, and a, an innumerable amount of examples of what he has done already for us and for others. This scripture, 
Ephesians 3, verses 20 through 21, says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church uh, by Christ Jesus, to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I love this verse because this is uh, a verse that you can apply really across the board. You might often have given this verse to other people, whether sometimes the example is schooling, a job, finances. You, you, you want to remind the other person that, listen, God can do more than you can even imagine. So rest in what God can do. The flip side of that is, unfortunately, I, and I'll say we, but I'm very poor about applying this to myself. We as we look to how we're going to serve Jesus, have to apply this scripture to ourselves. God can do abundantly more with you than you can ever think or imagine. Here's the deal. A lot of times we get limited because of what we see in the mirror. What we see physically, what we know from our past experience, I'm not good at this, I failed at this. And so it's a roadblock and a dart from the enemy that we hit and we never move forward. You need to read this verse. When Jesus calls you to serve him and do something, if he calls you to do it, he's going to equip you to do it. Right? So this applies, and all of those examples I use that this applies to are good. Because, you know, scripture is not just good in one area. You can use it across multiple areas, right? So we have to do a better job of reminding ourselves that God can use us more than we have ever thought. 14 years ago, as Russ talked about, it was 14 years ago that my wife and I were approached about um, heading up a high school ministry, right? And, uh, you know, we had just come out of serving with the toddlers for two years. And like toddler years, it was like dog years, right? So like two years was like a lot. It's like a huge patience builder. And uh, we knew that season was up. And, and we got approached about serving the tea in the team ministry. And, um, you know, I, I, I thought to myself, like, literally, I know nothing about teens. I know how bad of a one I was, but I know nothing about teens. I, have, I had like a two-year-old. I'm like, really, the experience ain't here. <laughs> like, okay. Um, but I had no formal training, no theology degree, could barely uh, memorize scripture, barely knew the word. My wife knew more of the word than I do, um, still does, but... Uh, that's beside the point. Uh, but I had so many things that I could put up and say and no. There were so many reasons. And, and, and this is the problem. I was being logical and I was playing the, the pro-con game. The pros for this? Well, what are the cons? Well, the cons will always outnumber the pros because your flesh and the enemy will make it outnumber, Right? I had every reason to say no. But here's the deal. At that point in time in my life, I, I, I knew, okay, they approached me. Let me look at this through different eyes than I'm looking at it through. Lord showed me I'd just come out of serving. I knew it was right to continue serving, right? I, I knew it was right. So I, need, I knew I needed to serve. I saw that there was a gap because there was no one doing it. Um, and, and frankly... I was like, I know, I don't know how this is going to happen, but I know the Lord will provide. I just don't know. 14 years later, I can absolutely testify I needed nothing to start 
that adventure. Nothing. All I needed was a humble heart and, and to apply the time for it that I had. Lord provided everything. Lord provided all the teachings every week. There were things that I can't even begin to explain how much he provided because if you saw me 14 years ago, <laughs> you'd be like, what are you doing up there, bro? Um, but the Lord provides. And that's just a small example. Um, you know, that may not be what the Lord is asking you to serve him in, uh, a ministry. And I'm not talking, here's the deal. This message is not about any ministry here at CCR. I want to make this very clear. This is about serving Jesus, not here. I just happen to have a lot of experiences and, and things to throw in. But I, I challenge us in changing our vision on how we look at what Jesus is asking you to do to stop trying to be logical, stop trying to play the pro and con game, and just let God do his thing. Let God provide. Let God order the steps as scripture says that he will do. Oftentimes we don't walk forward because we don't see. Well, let's be like Elisha and pray that we can see what the Lord can do. The next section we're moving into is hearing correctly. Sometimes hearing is more important than vision. Uh, honestly, if I had a dollar for every time I've been told uh, you don't listen very well, <laughs> it'd be a lot. Uh, I want to start with Isaiah 30, verse 21. And I want you to pay, pay attention to, to the first line here. Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left. It was a voice coming from behind, instructing how to walk. The question in this section for all of us to answer is, who are you listening to? You know, if you, if you ask my family, both my, my wife and my daughter and my mom, dad, and my sister, I have an extreme, unique, honed skill from when I was a kid. It's called selective listening. It's, I mean, it's honed really well, and it goes along with certain the tone of certain people's voice. That I'm just like, it clicks off. And and, and if I ask, I'm, here, here's the deal: no no hands. But if I ask wives in this room, other husbands have the same skill, bar none. I know it. I know we do. And it's funny. It's funny to joke on, especially when it's like some responsibility, the yard or something at home or whatever. Fill in the blank. It is not a funny skill when you apply that to the Lord. If you apply selective listening to the Lord, it's dangerous ground. Because it's not just the voice, but also his word that speaks to you if you apply it to him. Let's not play that game. Honestly, and I'll be honest, I will pray sometimes for the Lord when he's asking um, or when he's answering a question, I will pray that I will feel the wind of the door that's being slammed in my face, right? Because I'm not, I'm so not paying attention to the door closing, I need to actually feel that happen. Um, and it's because of the busyness of life. I have let too many things crowd in and creep in, so I can't hear from him. And, and, and it can be anything, whether it's social media, work, hobbies, fill in the blank. I have so much stuff in my brain and coming in my ears. I'm not hearing correctly from the Lord. So I have to pray, Father, I haven't heard from you. So just if the door's shutting, like, let me feel it slam. And that, that's not a good thing to be. That's not a good way to be. I'm, 
honestly listening to the, um, the wrong things and I'm listening to the wrong voices. And I bring that up because we need to hear from the right voice. I have, I have two voices specifically that tell me the wrong thing, myself and the enemy. And I listen to them and I entertain them. And it may be a surprise to you, but you do too. All of us have two voices that we entertain, the enemy and ourselves, and we need to stop listening to them, especially when it comes to serving the Lord. John 8, 44. This is Jesus speaking to the Pharisees and says, You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. Church, we, we got to stop listening to the enemy. He doesn't speak truth to you. All he does is speak lies and deceptions and ways to trip us up. He does not want us serving Jesus. He wants us on the sideline. You know, our family, and it's one of my favorite verses, I love it, um, is uh, James 3.17. It says, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. I, I love this verse because I can, I can nail everything up against it to compare. I, I can stop it. Is it pure and is it peaceable? If what I'm considering, what I'm hearing and entertaining in my mind, if it's not pure and it's not peaceable, get behind me. I can dust it off my shoulder and move forward. I don't need to spend any time entertaining it. And, and here's the thing. The enemy will do this. The Lord does not discourage you and will never talk down to you, ever. Now, the Lord, his job, he will warn you. He will counsel you this is not the way you are to go like if we start down a path and 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 he tells us and we hear from him to to go back he will warn us he will tell us this is not the plan i have for you this is not where i have uh, you to serve but he will never discourage you or talk down to you that's that's flat out the enemy you got to remember that satan was an angel of light he's been a deceiver from the beginning so when the Lord and the Holy Spirit put something on your heart in a way to serve Jesus, make sure you put what comes next against pure and peaceable. If there is a roadblock that's being thrown up in your mind, is it really the Lord that's giving you that roadblock or is it the enemy? Or is it yourself? There's times in the mirror where I'll look at myself and be like, there's no, I can't do this. Look at you. It, you should You should have... You should not have been in my head this morning, but you should have been in my head this morning. It was, it was legit like dodging arrows. And, and I can be honest up here because that's what happens. When you serve the Lord, the enemy will always be there to pull you down. And if you're not prepared for that, it's going to catch you off guard and you'll stumble. We have promise after promise in the word of God. That the shield of faith and we have the armor that we're supposed to put on every morning. You know, a lot of us wake up and we don't put, we forgot to put on the helmet of salvation. You've forgotten that you are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. You are a brand new creation. You are washed white. I mean, you are accepted. But you forget that if you don't put on the helmet of salvation. All those darts come flying and you've forgotten. And it beats you up. Praise God for his new mercies every day.
So here's the thing. The Lord, God doesn't speak down to you like that, but the enemy and ourselves do. Here, here's the deal. And we know it, but we got to be reminded of it. The enemy will throw a dart. It's like a lawnmower. You pull on that cord, and then like, you're off. Like, all he has to do is throw a dart. I'll take the dart, and I'll run. Like, I'll just take off. Uh, sometimes he'll just throw that dart, and we do the rest. So he'll start it. You finish it. we got to stop running with the dart he's given us. I am constantly filled with the same old voice saying, you're not good enough, you can't do it, and who in the world are you to do that? Exclusively in that order, all the time. And, and the thing is, I'm pretty sure most of us struggle with that too. Why? Because we love Jesus Christ and we want to serve him, but the enemy doesn't want you to. All of those voices are not pure and they are not peaceable. So they are not the wisdom of God. So we have to choose, who are we listening to? What are you listening to? We need to listen to his voice. When God spoke to Elijah, it wasn't loud. <clears throat> 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 11 and 12 said, Then he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the, after the fire, a still, small voice. We need to be reminded of this because almost always, it will not be a loud, booming voice that slaps you in the face. We have to have the, the, the heart set and the quietness to hear from Jesus. Uh, as I said before, if we are so filled with the busyness of life and are not taking time to hear from God, we will not hear. He, and, and how's that going to happen, right? How, is, how are you going to hear from the Lord? Well, let's, a couple examples. You may see a piece of trash on the floor. How many people think picking up trash is serving Jesus? Well, if you're picking up trash here on your way out and you happen to see it, that's serving Jesus. This is his body. This is his assembly. This is his building. Maybe you are walking by someone and you see a need. He allows you to see the person having a need. Maybe, I look, I'm not an emotional guy. I, I can be, but usually I'm not. Um, I see people... I don't usually read their emotion very well. Like they could be almost bawling and I'm like, hmm, I don't, I don't see it. Like I don't get it, right? Now I'm praying for that to be changed, right? I'm praying and the Lord is doing a good work. My wife is praying about it also. I'm, I'm, I'm getting better. I can read people's faces better. However, sometimes the Lord may allow you to see the face of someone who is screaming for prayer because they need someone to bear their burdens with them. Are you listening? So he may allow you to see a gap. You know, here's the thing. Not everything will always be presented to you in a nice bow. Sometimes we have to be quiet to hear and see. So what voice are we listening to in that moment? When he shows you those little things, whose voice are you listening to? Are you listening to yourself? Or are you listening to Jesus? Because... Are we wanting to serve ourselves for the glorification of ourselves or are we wanting to serve Jesus for his glory? But that's how he's going to show you where he wants you. 
You won't hear that from him if you're not concentrated on him. In Samuel chapter 3, we find Samuel very young, and it's in a time which says, uh, in a time where it says, the, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Sounds familiar? There was no widespread revelation. He was young, and, and at this point in time, in this uh, section of chapter 3, he had just laid down to go to sleep, right? So this is verses 3 through 10. It says, And while Samuel was lying down, and the Lord called to Samuel, and he answered, Here I am. So he ran to uh, Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call you. <laughs> go lie down again. And he went and he laid down. Then the Lord called yet again Samuel. So Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. He answered, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet re revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again a third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be if he calls you that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called as, as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. This is a beautiful example of hearing from the Lord. Now Samuel didn't recognize the calling, right? He didn't know that was the calling until Eli pointed that out in the fourth, the fourth time, right? Sometimes the Lord will use other people in your lives to show you his calling for you. It may not be revealed to you. It may be revealed to someone else, another brother or another sister who then will approach you and will tell you about a gap or a skill they see that you have or a gifting you may not even be recognizing in yourself. Right? So that's a possibility. Sometimes um, there's a game I like to play, and it's called the dumb game. Um, I play that with God because sometimes he's telling me to go somewhere or do something, and I, I sit there and I'm like, yeah, I don't think he said that. I'm pretty sure I heard something different. Uh, it's not a cool game. It doesn't end well. I always lose. <laughs> And he'll, he'll, he'll usually let my wife know what the, that game is too. And then she's like, mm-mm, mm-mm, you, you better listen. But we can do the same thing. Sometimes we cannot hear if we don't want to hear, right? Um, Samuel lays out a really good plan. It's like a four-point plan right here. It's really easy. First, he made himself available to God. He just made himself available to hear from the Lord. He didn't fill it with tons of stuff and, and therefore, he was listening to all these other like crazy voices or, or things. He made himself available to hear. He wasn't being presumptuous about God speaking to him either. You know, if, if in my mind, I think I'm awesome, like right here, like I am legit awesome. Here. I won't hear him if he's telling me to go over here. Like as all my focus is right here. Samuel wasn't being presumptuous. He responded back beautifully. What did he say? He said, speak, which means it was a, a heart attitude. Like, I'm okay, I hear you. What do you have for me? And then he humbled himself. He said, your servant hears. He already knew the position to take. He was a servant of God. Alan Redpath said, God's call to any man or woman in this case, and, and the anointing of the spirit for service are conditioned upon that man's heart response. 
So we can hear something, but we have a heart response that will go along with it. The reward is going to be what our heart response is for that service. You know, Jesus speaking with his disciples in John 12, 23 and 24 said, Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask, the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. So here's, here's where we are. If you don't know the what or the how and you want to serve the Lord, pray that to him. Ask him. Because Jesus' own words here say, if you ask in the Father's name, if you ask to be shown how Jesus wants you to serve, he's going to show you, right? And the thing is, the very end of that, that your joy may be full. You know, when you are serving the Lord where he's called you to serve, you have a joy in that. And it's a joy that like your job can't give you. Uh, no, no monetary award will replace because you're serving the Lord. So that's one thing we need to do is actually pray that and have an expectant heart. He's going to answer because ultimately your, your service to him will glorify him. But then it's going to be a check in your heart on where you really are. You know, there are those of us, and I've done it too, that will say to ourselves, you know, I, I literally have nothing to give. Um, I have no talent for, for your use. And I want to caution you if you have that way of thinking. Because if you do, if we do, we are saying to the God of the universe, you made me wrong. You did not give me enough. And that is Opposite of what scripture says and what scripture tells us. Psalm 139, 17 through 8 says, How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more than the number than the sand. Our God has so many thoughts for each one of us. They're innumerable. God loves you and has designed you perfectly and given you everything you ever need to serve him. We've got to be reminded of that. Now I've got two scriptures I want to read. They go back to back, but the one's in 1 Corinthians and one is in Ephesians. So bear with me here. 1 Corinthians 12, 17 through 20 says, if the whole body were an eye, <laughs> which is kind of weird because that'd be like a huge eye, where, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, which gets back to, which gets back to Charles Spurgeon quote, of there is somewhere for every servant to serve. But he said that God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. Stop right there. Just as who pleased? God. Right? So if you are being called by the Holy Spirit to serve in an area and you don't like it, God has put every member of the body, of his body, where he pleased. Be careful. When God is calling you to serve somewhere, do you not like it? Because that's the answer. This answer right here, he has placed them in the body as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed they are many members, 
yet one body. See, we make up the whole body of Christ. Again, not talking about CCR, I'm talking about the entire body of Christ. Ephesians 4.16 says, From whom the whole body, joined and knit together, by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. We have to, to read these scriptures, be reminded, and actually let it soak in. And I say that because every single person is part of the body of Christ and has a place. You may want to be on a team. You may want to be in charge of a ministry. But what would the body of Christ be if everyone was a worship member, a worship team member? Where would the children's ministry be? Where would the pastor be? Where would the evangelist be? There is a, a, you know, you look at it like the house. Every stone serves a function. You take one out and the house collapses. You know, every single person has a place and he has one for you as well. But there are people, and I have been this way myself, that will choose to serve Jesus in their own way. Instead of hearing where he wants you, remember, it is better to ask the master where he wants you than to tell him. There are people that will choose, nope, I'm going to serve you here. Okay, That's, that, that, you can do that. But that falls into a category. I'm going to talk about three quick categories. Um, when the elders and, and deacons were in an offsite down in Lynchburg, we talked with Pastor Troy Warner of, of CC Lynchburg, and, and we talked about service with him, and, and he brought up some really good things. There's three categories. Worn out, rust out, and poured out. Worn out is this first category. War, worn out is working really towards something that you're, you're saying, you know what, I'm doing this, but you're not doing it in the power of the Holy Spirit. You're doing it in your own strength. You're doing it in your own resources. It's you that is doing it. Eventually, you will wear out. It is a proven fact, proven time and time again, and I've proven it. I have worn out because there are things I have done in my own strength and I was not told to do by Jesus. The other one is rust out. All right, so here's my car references. If you're a car guy, like rust is no bueno. You don't like it. In fact, um, it's like a cancer for a car, right? All of us have uh, windows and some have uh, sunroofs and there's always channels to take water when it rains and funnel it away from the car and down and out, right? Well, those drains can get plugged. If one of those drains gets plugged, you ever go in a car that has like water trapped in the door? You're like, what is that? It's like a sloshing sound. Water standing still like that will rust the door. It, it will legitimately rust the door. Floor pans rusted from the inside out because water trickles down the dashboard and, and hangs out underneath the carpet. Maybe I'm too old for these references. But you know what? They're references. Here's the deal. The analogy is this. If the Lord has given you a gifting, if he has given you a blessing, if he has blessed you in a certain way, if he has given you something and you don't use it, and you don't turn it back, you will rust from the inside out with that. If you look at the parable that Jesus said of the talent, and in this case, the talent was a measurement, right? He took that measurement and hit it. Well, what happened? It was taken away from him. He did nothing with it. 
where the other two servants actually multiplied it and, and, and multiplied it for the master. This is the same thing. You, if you have been given something to be used for his glory and you don't use it, you will rust out. But on the other hand, if you have been given a, a, a gifting, and, and we all have talents. We all have been given talents by the Lord. If you have that and you are using it in the way Jesus has called you to serve him, you will actually be poured out. You won't wear out. You'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. You won't rust out because you're pouring it out. Philippians 2.17 says, Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. So what voice are we listening to? I, as I come to a close and I ask the worship team to come back up uh, to round this out. I want this message to be encouraged. Well, the Lord wants this message to be encouraging to you, right? He has a place for you. He loves you and desires for you to serve him. Maybe it's physically within the church. Maybe it is. Maybe it's here at CCR. Maybe it's wherever you live. Maybe it's a community outreach. Maybe it's not. Maybe you physically can't do something. Well, you know what? Maybe he's calling you to pray. That is a service unto the Lord. I'm going to tell you that so many things happen because of the prayers of the saints. It's unbelievable and it's scriptural. So maybe he's telling you, you know what? I simply want you to pray. I don't know. I don't know what the Lord is asking you and calling you to do. Maybe it's simply just to invite somebody. I mean, it's that simple. But whatever it is, I pray that we would be like Elisha and Samuel. Like Elisha, where we see with more than just our physical eyes. That we would pray and ask the Lord to open our eyes to see spiritually. See what he's doing. See what work he wants. Because it's exciting. Remember, it's going to be, uh, our joy is going to be fulfilled and be filled. Or maybe we need to be like, maybe we do that. But maybe we need to be more like Samuel. Where we just humbly ask that we need to be still. That we need to listen. And then humbly respond. Either way. These are two examples of how to go forward with hearing from the Lord and, and changing our mindset. Change where you're viewing what the Lord is calling you to do from. Just like the star example. The stars never changed. You had to change your position. With that, last verse I want to say before I pray is Psalm 9017. May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Let's pray. Father, the worship, your scripture all reminds us that you are worthy of worship. You have rescued us. You have freed us from the penalty of sin. And Father, our lives, we are free not to sit on the couch. We are free to serve you. It's a freedom. So Father, I pray as we leave here that you would show each one of us how to be an ambassador for Christ, how to be your ambassador, how to serve you. Where do you want us to plug in? Father, maybe it's prayer. Maybe, maybe it's something we've been avoiding and putting off and, and really playing that game. I'm not hearing from you, but Father, we want to hear from you this morning. Give us spiritual eyes to see where you're calling us. Give us ears to hear. Let us be still enough to hear your still, small voice. Father, you have a place for us. 
You've given us what is required. Father, I pray that uh, your Holy Spirit would pour out upon each one here, Lord, as we leave, that you would be honored, that you would be glorified, and that we would serve you with our lives. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.